complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. All right. Hey, friends. How you guys doing tonight? Pretty well. Whoa. It's been a weird couple days, huh? Yes. And yes. no. Oh yeah. Predictably weird though, right? Yeah. It's true. Yeah. This we is... we knew we knew it was gonna be weird, but Kat, you called all of this. Well done. <laughs> Thank <Right>. you. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Things yeah. just keep piling up. Well. So but I'm well if you tuned in. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, sincerely, I think uh, I'm happy to be here with everyone tonight. We're gonna have some fun, I hope. Despite our past episodes, we're actually going to shift a little bit and go into something a little more lighthearted. We're not going to talk politics much this evening, because who needs more of that? I think so, for our right. sanity and for our listeners' <laughs> yes. sanity. So before we dive into a little recap of what's going on with the election. And then into some personal development, feel good shenanigans. Let's talk drinks tonight. Henning, what are you drinking this evening? Oh, you know what I'm drinking. I <laughs> am drinking 16-year-old Lagavulin Scotch Whiskey Neat. And I must ask we raise a somber glass tonight and, uh, and salute my now empty bottle. Oh no! I topped off a bottle tonight, fam. <laughs> All right, so we are now. raising our our glasses. <laughs> don't, Salute! Don't pour one. I've never Salute. understood like the pour one out in remembrance. Like that's a that's a waste. It's a waste. Feels like it's a, a waste. Let's just raise a glass and drink in remembrance. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. Th- that seems like a better mode. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. Well, tonight, Cat and I are enjoying a Negroni. My favorite. The yes. classics. Yes, I knew this was yes, Kat's this favorite. Yes, this is a absolute classic. It's Kat's favorite. This very well may be the reason we are friends. <laughs> it is, in fact. <laughs> it is indeed the reason why we are friends. Why do you need that story now, please? Okay, well, you know what? I wasn't going to include it, but this is our show and we do what we want. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Long story short, I was enjoying an evening at Open Range in Bozeman, Montana. Shout out to them, an amazing bar. And I was chatting with my friend, and I heard to my left two ladies talking about Negronis. I didn't see them, so I just kind of shifted my weight to my left and looked over, and uh, I said, oh, you like Negronis? Have you ever had a white Negroni? And that blew my mind. Because <laughs> I never have had one. Right, so it opened up. <laughs> An awesome conversation. We then shared a white Negroni and then talked to you and your sister, probably till the bar closed. For a long time. For a long time. <laughs> wow. Uh, had an absolute blast and yep. then uh, turned into a friendship. And yeah. Wow. We've been buddies ever since. Yeah. Lots of good, 
political conversations, lots of good drinking. We got into like family history that yeah. night, all sorts of stuff. Stuff happens when you're, yeah. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. at the bar. Right. When alcohol's involved. Pre-COVID. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, exactly. Social lubricants. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, this is in honor of Kat tonight. Oh, thank you. You know, the Negroni, like most cocktails, has a clouded history. There seems to be little consensus, but uh, when it comes to history, it seems like the majority generally wins. So the majority says that the Negroni comes from Florence, Italy in 1919, where a Count Camillo Negroni asked a bartender to take a standard Americano and replace the club soda with some gin. And at this point, an Americano wasn't a coffee drink as we would think it. It was generally like some sort of fortified wine, some sort of digestif or aperitif, and then club soda. On that beautiful night, they replaced the soda with gin, something a little stronger. Good move. Yes, I agree. So I tip my hat to them. I'm very thankful for it. I guess you could probably argue that this is the most iconic of the classic cocktails because it's just this brilliant ruby red elixir and it's adorned with a beautiful orange peel. The colors pop. It's lovely. You can't miss it. There's not really any other drink that looks like it. I love it so much because it's got this wonderful blend of silky smooth vermouth. With the gin, you get this botanical complexity. And then you get this vibrant, bitter orange that comes from the Campari. It's a beautiful drink. It's, it's bitter. It's sweet. It's a slow sipper. So it's one of those drinks that you, uh, you can sip on for quite a while. It's great for conversation. It's so celebrated that there is an actual Negroni week. The drink that we have tonight is a very simple drink to make at home. It's equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. I like White Lady Gin from Montgomery Distillery in, in Missoula the best. It's a nice, uh, particularly floral gin. I think it complements the orange. The sweet vermouth that I like best is Antica, beautiful Italian vermouth. And then Campari is Campari. You can't, you can't replace it with anything else. I generally do like an ounce and a half, ounce and a half, ounce and a half, but you can do a bottle, a bottle, and bottle. It, it's yeah. <laughs> such an easy cocktail to make. You just throw all those ingredients in a mixing glass, stir over ice, and then I like to serve it in a rocks glass with one large ice cube. And then get yourself a big slice of orange peel. Give it a light squeeze to express the oils and enjoy. It sure is tasty. Seems like a Sometimes I get crazy and I put I sub sweet vermouth. I'll do just dry vermouth instead. Cuz I'm not a big sweet person. It is. And, and sometimes a, I think that's quite mm, nice. Yes. A and it's more a sweet drink. The bitter is what balances it so yeah. well. Campari but. is very bitter, which makes it pretty well balanced. And a good squeeze of citrus. You can't go wrong there. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true. So that's what we've uh that's what we're enjoying this evening. I think uh much like this drink is bitter, we need to Spend a few minutes discussing the the bitter bitter topic of the election. How long did but you work on that briefly. segue? Yeah. Uh, no, I just just free flowed totally right now. Just came oh, out okay. that <laughs> I am an artist with my words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. All right, I want us to do the ten minute update. I was just going to give some happy election news. I love it. Because there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty and stress and accusations and all sorts of things being thrown around. And 
there are some bright spots to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. One of those being that the Republican Party actually brought in at least 10. There's some reporting that it might be up to 15, but some of these races haven't been totally called yet. But at least 10 women have been voted into the House of Representatives. Yeah, um, nice. And at least two of them are actually minority women. So that's there we go. A nice win, right? I would For say women so. in general, regardless of party. And then my my second happy election news, which I suppose it's only happy if you're pro limited government. <laughs> <laughs> but with the prospect of a Biden presidency, I think it's encouraging that it looks like the Republicans will keep the Senate depending on potentially two runoff elections in Georgia. But it, it looks looking good that they'll keep the Senate. And I think a divided government is a good Thing. Yes, 100%. <laughs> right. That'll a preach. healthy check. Yes. There, right? is, there is some balance, and I think yes. that's great. I think that's very important. Yep. Whether you like Republicans or not, I think it's important to have balance like that. Right. But, you know, it'll make us all maybe stop and make sure certain policies are equitable or make sense or mm -hmm. affordable. Anyway, right. so that that's healthy. And then another sort of, I don't know if this is happy because I'm cynical, but... Um, <laughs> 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 but I had a couple examples of where an exorbitant amount of money and maybe not really in today's modern politics, but a lot of money was spent and really all for naught. One example being here in Montana, Bullock, who is running for the Senate against um, incumbent Steve Daines, Daines yep. ended up losing and he had a hundred million dollars behind him Oof. and he lost. Oof. It was one of the biggest it was an important race. very important race yeah. i mean money from everywhere going into bullock yeah the dnc was big yes. in on this one and then bloomberg also spent a hundred million in florida and that didn't work out <laughs> right. <laughs> right right and so anyway my point being i think perhaps this demonstrates that you can't simply buy an election you know you can throw a ridiculous amount of money and and still lose so maybe that is a reason for hope Maybe this is good. Yeah, no, I think that's great news. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I think special interest money. I mean, there was a great shared state episode about that, about Montana, about how special special interest money has been messing up with us for quite a long time. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's very good to point out, Kat. Uh, so that's my happy news. That, that's all I have. I, Nothing else is happy. <laughs> well, I have happy election news. All right. And fire. I am. I am actually proud of Montana for passing both initiatives related to recreational marijuana. And I'm also really excited about Oregon just trying some new stuff and actually decriminalizing a lot more drugs and especially legalizing magic mushrooms. Like I'm curious how that's going to work out. Yes. I'm excited I'm excited. I feel the same way you do, Henning. I See, think it'll and be this a neat is experiment. this is such a great thing about the American experiment that we have. A federalist system. Yeah. Yeah. These states can try stuff like that. Yeah. And in lots of states, things haven't worked. And now they're trying some new stuff. And if it works, that's phenomenal. And they might lead the way. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And I mean, like, yeah. So Colorado was Colorado and Washington were both famous for legalizing marijuana to be the first states to do so. And now I think in this election, I think five states have recently passed the same initiatives and uh, I might need to be fact-checked here, but I think all five states are classically Republican, which to me, like, 
I, I remember hearing all about how, well, of course it was Colorado and Washington. It's a bunch of liberals just <laughs> wanting to get high and feel good, you know? But it's like, now that those states have successfully proven that the states can make money off the taxation of these materials, and people can exercise their freedom to imbibe whatever intoxicant is legal in the state, like, it's proven to work. And this is why states are starting to follow along. And at such a large margin, like, Montana passed both with very big affirmative margins. Yeah, I just I just fact-checked you, and um, I think you're largely right, maybe with the exception of New Jersey. But Oh, there you go. Yep. But otherwise, yeah, definitely traditionally Republican states. That's a good sign. I agree. I did tweet maybe a week ago. I said, hey, Montana, if we all vote for this, maybe 2021 will be a lot more chill. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know, I know that, like, the infrastructure probably won't be in place until 2022 here in Montana, but we're headed right. in the right direction, I think. So long as they let, so long as there's some provision to allow people to grow their own, because otherwise it'll just become incredibly expensive. Yeah, I agree. I like, I don't know. I see it equivalent, like, you know, Torna can go grow beer. Grow beer? What? I meant brew his own beer. <laughs> I, like the fact that At people point, can brew their own growing. beer, I think I think people should be able to grow their own marijuana if they want. Anyway, it passed, and that's awesome. And there let's see what happens. I think that's. Great. I'm proud of us. Any other uh, pertinent information? I think that's all that there is to be I happy think, about. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's about all that's going on right now. I mean, really, I think North Carolina said they're not going to release any information till the 12th. Yep. Wowzers. So, Pennsylvania is probably going to go to the Supreme Court. Yep. There's lawsuits in Wisconsin and Arizona. Yes. And uh, yeah, <laughs> fun stuff. So we're kind of in limbo. And so let's not worry. In the meantime, it's a decent question to consider how are you going to make your own life better? I think, I think the three of us may disagree on a few things, but I think we all agree that ultimately government should not be the the end solution to any of your your own life's issues. Amen. I 100% agree. There it is. So I know Torna you wanted to have a a discussion about uh personal development. Yeah, I want to I've kind of been on a uh conquest to get my life in order. I feel um, like your life's in order though. <laughs> it's very much not. Is that right? And it's it's a slow work in progress. And so we'll go through some of the things that I've started to implement that have had huge impacts on just my well-being and productivity and generally becoming a better person. Mm. But there's still a lot for me to grow and learn in. And I get a ton of inspiration from Henning, especially with how organized he is. Oh. And then I want to hear from you and some of the things that you do in your life that are making you a better person. So who would like to begin? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you have some ideas, Torna. Why don't you say? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the biggest things in my life that has been a hindrance for my health and my happiness and my wellness in general has been my inability to sleep particularly well. And that's something that I've really started to take seriously and tackle because so many people tell me, Stephen, you really need to sleep more because <laughs> you're going to kill yourself. And obviously to that, I say, yeah, I'm very aware that I need to sleep more, but I don't know how to do that or what's wrong with me Ooh. and everything like that. And okay. I don't know if it, it, it kind of all started when I was in school 
where sleeping patterns got way off. Uh, but re- even yep. now that I haven't been in school, I mean, we're talking no matter what I wanted to do, I couldn't sleep more than five hours a night. Wow. And I was just always tired. And so I've kind of started to look into some ways to, to sleep better and, and, and sleep more and, and so on and so forth. And probably the biggest thing that I've implemented is I bought a regular old analog alarm clock. It's right on the table here. Yeah, I can see That's it. That's right. It's yes. Right <laughs> I set it for 530. So I get up at the same time every morning. So the consistency has been great. Mm-hmm. And then, well, right now I have my phone in my room. But for about the last month and a half, my phone at night is not allowed in my room. It sits outside in the kitchen. Love that. Muted. What's the cutoff hour? Um, there's not a cutoff hour per se, which is something that I need to probably <laughs> tighten in on. Probably by 10 o'clock, it's out there. Mm-hmm. And that just really gives me... There's no distraction. When I do lay down, I'm not on my phone, which is huge. And then when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is not look at my phone. It's funny that if an adult was to say that they slept with a teddy bear, you would laugh at them. But the number of adults that sleep with their phone in their bed or under their pillow is appalling. I would find myself grabbing my phone and muting and snoozing it and then just throwing it in bed with me. And I was sleeping with my phone in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, am I a loser? <laughs> no. So I need to stop doing that. Yeah. Am and I the other a thing loser? Is, yeah. Am I a loser? No. <laughs> the other thing is I specifically... <laughs> the other thing is I specifically bought an alarm clock that I cannot snooze. Oh, wow. That's a bold move. Yes. So I have to get up out of bed and turn off my alarm. And if I am so desperate to sleep in more... I have to then go out of my bedroom into the kitchen, get my phone, and set another alarm, and then go back to bed. This sounds like this isn't helping you sleep more, though. No, (laughs) no, no. But my point being that (laughs) setting the phone aside has really helped me get to bed once I am laying down. Mm. Uh, Another thing that I've been trying to do, although it's very difficult, is at least 30 minutes before I go to bed, have the computer off, anything like that. Blue light's a huge issue. I think the next step is going to be getting some light canceling glasses. Yeah, boy. but that has been absolutely huge for my well-being. Can I interrupt with a question? Yeah. You could potentially be deficient in magnesium that often <laughs> causes oh. sleep deprivation. Ooh, all right. <laughs> and you might want to try supplementing with magnesium. And I've found that to be incredibly helpful and lots of people have. Okay. Well, I would I'd recommend that. I've never supplemented <laughs> magnesium, so I might have to give that a go. Yeah. I don't think there's magnesiums in Negronis. No, unfortunately, there's not. <laughs> but if you drink enough of them, it kind of evens out, I think. Right. Wow. So that's been huge. And now I'm sleeping, I'm probably sleeping more like six and a half hours a night. Which You're is great. An hour and a half a night. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm feeling awesome. Are you fe- so that's the first thing. There's a few other little things. Are you but feeling more rested? Wanna... Or are you still feeling a little oh, behind? Oh, very much so. Uh, I'm feeling behind because I, a few weeks ago, had the Rona. Which that's right. definitely floored me. Yeah. But I'm recovering from that. And so that's that's all good. Okay. Do you feel a difference? Like have you noticed a difference in sort of your like brain capacity and just like physical wellness throughout the day now that you're sleeping a little more? Not so much just because because of having the coronavirus. Mm, yeah. I'm in this weird transition period where I've been exhausted and I've had some mental cloudiness and, and such. So it's kind of skewing my experiment. So we'll see like a month down the road how this is benefiting me. 
Who's next in order here? <laughs> Henning. Henning. Oh, is. man. Also, wait, can we pause? Yeah. Cat's going to need another Negroni. <laughs> That's fine. Do you want to? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make Cat another drink. Do you want to start firing on uh, whatever your. My stuff? Yeah. I guess I can go on my stuff. Yeah, you sure. want to? Yeah, yeah. I'll be right back. I'll be back in like three minutes. Nice. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. This is awesome. I'm going to go make a drink. <laughs> Cat's going to do a little chat and I'll be back. Perfect. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Well, I I guess... <laughs> Sorry, Annie. <laughs> Just one of those weeks, you know. It's a two-drink a two recording night. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I can appreciate it. I ran out. My bottle is dry, so... Oh, that's a shame. Do you have anything else in your fridge? No. No, I do not. Mm-hmm. I have a bottle of water with me, which I always try to drink a good amount of water with alcohol because otherwise my stomach does not like me. You know, that is actually one of my, if we're just talking about what makes us more productive on a regular basis, Mm. drinking copious amounts of water every day is probably my number one. Have you set a number on it? I, how many, oh, how many liters is my, hold on. I have probably four of my canteens every day and it's like the big hydro flask oh so that's like a liter and a half is the really tall ones wait yeah the tall ones that are fat and wide 946 milliliters there you go 32 ounces yeah Yeah, so i have about a liter yeah thanks (laughs) i'm bad no we're good (laughs) i don't know my i don't know metric measurements dang it what does that math work out to what so you drink four a day yeah that's a gallon of water that's a gallon of water right there. Yeah, so that's pretty, yeah, damn. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's. I'm so glad you so do that because co- I specifically do that too. <laughs> do yeah, you? Oh, I good. Drink, it's important. I intentionally drink a gallon of water a day and I must drink two of them before noon and then I drink. Yeah. Oh my God, me too. Yes. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm so into, I'm like a really big proponent of, you know, anytime a friend or my sister especially has like a problem or a stress, I'm always like, Are you just drink some water and go to bed. I, That's so, all you need to do. <laughs> so in, in trying to be more in tune with my body and especially my diet, I find that most of the time when I am feeling snack, like snackish or peckish, it's, mm-hmm. it usually is an actual cue that I'm thirsty. And if I drink water, then it goes away. So like I I eat a lot less when I drink a lot more because it's like I'm finally giving my body what it's actually asking for instead of doing the opposite and like working on like half a bag of sunflower seeds and getting all that sodium and salt and dehydrating myself. (laughs) Totally. I think that's a really smart move. And I think, yeah, I think that's often the case where you actually our bodies just need water. They don't need more food. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so I was just I was just going over sort of what my like sort of basic routine is to stay focused and healthy and clear minded every yeah. day. And number one is drinking copious amounts of water. Yes, we worked out about a gallon a day. Yep. Me too. Um, and and Henning as well. Um, sleep, as you were just mentioning, Torna. I need about eight hours minimum. Mm. Ooh, all right that's how i operate <laughs> i can't even fathom that there you go. i and i mean i feel it i feel 
seven hours is different than eight. Um, <laughs> yeah. And five, I mean, I'm totally useless on like, like, anyway. right. Yeah. So lots and lots of sleep. Um, I mean, I usually am in bed by like nine 30. I'm kind of, this lame. is the way this is not old, lame, I guess. <laughs> I rebuke the label of lame here. Thank you. <laughs> it's not lame. It's healthy. When do you wake up? Usually. I mean, I can like run with the best of them, but you know, that's maybe twice a month yeah. and then most of the time I yeah, need to yeah, sleep. Yeah. When do you wake up usually? Um, I, my first alarm goes off at like 6.30 and I snooze to 6.40 oh, every now and then. Okay. I snooze until about 7, but usually like 6.45 mm. I'm listening to John Batchelor and what, cooking breakfast. What is it about the snooze <laughs> that like you know it's bad, but it also, for some reason, that nine minutes is like some of the most satisfying sleep That's amazing. <laughs> I, I build, I like anticipate it. Like it's a part of my routine. So my first alarm is 10 minutes earlier than I need to wake up. Why not just get so up at 640? <laughs> there's something psychological about being able to snooze. It makes me feel like I'm indulging a little I bit. I agree. And then it's easier I to agree. get up if, the second time. It, I think, okay. yeah. I think if it gives you that Strategery. feeling of indulgence <laughs> and like almost like decadence, like, oh, I'm being, like I'm getting away with something. I I'm yeah, okay with doing the math. That's the most Western thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Sorry? I need some decadence and indulgence at 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> every morning. Hey, yeah. you mock it, but my decadence is my cup of coffee, man. I make it totally. a special ritual. Oh, yes. Well, here's a, here's a, a little update on other ways that I've been trying to improve my life. One such way is that when I get up, I have started to wait at least an hour before I make my first cup of coffee. Mm. What's the thinking behind that? The thinking is that it gives you time to wake up a little bit naturally. And then once you have your morning caffeine, you're already awake. And so you get that boost instead of still being drowsy, drinking that coffee and then not getting the full benefit of your morning caffeine. Mm. Okay. And I've seen some interesting research that has suggested that it can be beneficial to wait at least an hour. Let your brain turn on organically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that gives me an excuse to drink water in the morning. There you um, go. Have a glass of water first. This is good. Um, and then, and the nice thing is, is because my phone's now outside of my room, sometimes I get up and I just stay in my room for like an hour. And wow. whether nice. I hop on the computer or read a little bit or whatever, I have an hour in my room in the morning. Then I can go outside, get my phone, make a cup of coffee, and then kind of start the day that way. So Torna's incredibly disciplined. So <laughs> we're learning. No, but I'm really trying to become disciplined. Ooh, yeah. That's a good way to put yeah. it. I like it. I almost feel I have to say I would think a glass of water and then coffee. With that time in between, it's got to be good for your digestive Probably system. Probably so. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it really is. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a good move. <laughs> yeah, especially after like a whole night of not eating or drinking. Like water being the mm -hmm. first thing on the stomach is so much lighter and so much more gentle on your <laughs> mostly empty stomach. Yeah. Love it. We're, le mm -hmm. we're learning valuable tips here. All right, Henning. <sighs> What are some things that you have implemented or are starting to implement? I, well, okay. So I'll just, I'll go through this as fast as possible. And of course, all these things I could talk about forever because like, Torna, you said you wanted to have this conversation about personal development. And this is like, this is a lot of what I think about. So 
any one of these I could talk about forever. Um, but okay. So I wake up with an alarm clock set across the room. It forces me to stand up. And basically my brain is like, once the alarm is finally off and my body's already standing, I'm like, I'm already here. Why would I lay down again? This would be stupid. (laughs) Um, I do the same thing. I plug in my phone outside of my bedroom. Um, in fact, I, I try to have as little electronics in my bedroom as possible. Um, and if they are in the room, then they're completely powered off. They're not just sleeping. Um, let's see. I've, I've found that my body needs anywhere from seven to seven and a half hours. That's like, that's prime for me. Um, yeah. So after waking up, I usually, I make my coffee first, but I do drink water right before, um, I start drinking it. And then I kind of have this, this whole morning routine set around my favorite, um, rocking chair that my parents gave me when I graduated. And mm. so I sit and read a a chapter of scripture from the Bible. And then I read a Psalm as like the beginning of like my prayer and meditation time. Um, and then I'll journal half a page in my favorite Moleskine notebook with my favorite pen. And I have various prompts in there. I don't, I don't know if I need to go into those right now. But once I'm done journaling my my morning half of my my daily journal page, then I'll read a chapter of what I call my chair book. And so like I at any one time have at least two books going. I have one chair book, which is typically nonfiction and is typically the book that I'm using a pen and a highlighter and keeping note cards next to me and I'm making notes. Cause one of my personal philosophies about reading is read a book as if you are going to be asked to teach it once you're finished. So I really, I like that a lot. Very, very, I really try to pay attention to what the book is trying to lay out for me. So I take a lot of notes and, uh, keep note cards, highlights, all that kind of stuff. And then my, my bed book is typically fiction. So like when I get into my evening routine, I read a chapter of my, my bed book, which is like, I don't have to take notes. And if it ends up being a novel that I definitely want to dig into and actually take notes on, it becomes a chair book. But it always okay. it always starts as a bed book, um, just so I can let my brain just kind of relax and be transported somewhere. So I finish a chapter of my chair book in the morning, and then I follow two blogs um, using an app uh, called Feedly. And what that allows me to do is completely remove all website ads and even photos that are in blogs. So it's just the text. Whoa. So I subscribed to just two blogs, uh, Seth Godin's blog and Meditations by Richard Rohr. And then, uh, and then to finish out my morning routine sitting in my chair, I check in with my, my absolute favorite app. My daily use app is Todoist. And it gives me all the things I have like pre-made decisions for that I want to have accomplished by the end of the day. So I check in with that. A lot of these things in the morning routine are part of that because I find it really gratifying, even if it's a small task. Like I have a task in my to-doist saying, like, make my cup of coffee because it's really nice finishing this whole routine and getting ready to start the day and already checking off like five things from my my to-do list. It's very satisfying. There is something like Little... psychologically beneficial yeah. about that. Yeah. I think yeah. there's sure. dopamine More involved games. and it makes me feel really proud of myself. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's my morning routine. Evening routine is at 8.30. So Kat, you asked Torna, like, when is your time to put down your screens? My my time is 8.30, and I've actually built that into the phone. Like, I have alarms that go off throughout the day um, to remind me to do things. Even at, like, 2.30, I have an alarm 
that goes off just to remind me to text people back because I'm really bad at reading a text and never responding to it. But then my brain thinks I've responded to it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I set an alarm. I think, just we to, all, I think all three of us yeah. do that. <laughs> I am dying of shame right now. Yeah, Jordan does that big time. I, I do don't that wanna, too, though. No, don't. <laughs> no shame here. That's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I do that to the people I love most. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so at 8.30 is when my alarm goes off to kick off my uh, evening routine. So that's where I plug in my phone. I turn off other electronics. And then, so I'll sit down and finish my uh, my page of the journal. So ultimately, every day I finish one full page of my favorite moleskin notebook. And then after journaling, I will sit and like pray and meditate again for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I read a chapter of my bed book in bed. And, uh, actually before I read, I set out my clothes for the next morning as soon as I'm up and I set my, my tomorrow clothes like right next to my alarm clock. So as soon as I'm up, the alarm is off and I'm standing there like, do I crawl back in bed or not? It's like, well, your clothes are already there too. So just grab them and like scoop them up and tomorrow clothes are calling. (laughs) Yes. Holy moly, man. All right. I I might need some tomorrow clothes. Tomorrow clothes is a really good. It was, it was most beneficial for me when I was going to the gym on a regular basis. I'm not right now because I have been in, I've had some weird run-ins with exercise induced asthma. You also like broke your ankle, didn't you? And there's a pandemic. That's not related. <laughs> you have a no, lot no, of no, good no. reasons so, not to go so to the cat, gym. Cat, that's the reason is because, I, because I've had brushes with exercise-induced asthma, which I know exercise-induced asthma just sounds like fat kid disease, but it's really not. Mm. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, like, because I've had that, because I've had a history of some weird respiratory moments like that, definitely working out in a public gym with a, like, a pandemical disease that attacks the respiratory system is not great. No, that's not but, a good. Move. But when I was going to the gym, it was I I my tomorrow clothes were my my gym clothes. So I would throw my gym clothes on as soon as I woke up and I would already have my tomorrow clothes packed in my gym bag downstairs next to the front door. So if I just wanted to completely ignore it then I would have to do like my equivalent of a walk of shame and I would have to like walk downstairs, grab my gym bag that was already loaded with my tomorrow clothes and my everyday carry stuff like my wallet, my keys and all that. Then I would have to walk back upstairs, take the shower and be like, I'm just a little, I'm worthless today. (laughs) So that was a way to gain my own sense of like self shame. (laughs) There you go. Well, but but that is exactly the way people treat food, Mm. right? The, the, the thought is, okay, if I want to lose weight, then I'm not going to have cookies in the house, yada, yada, right. yada. You know, you have to play the yeah. system, game yeah. yourself, yeah. right? If, you, if it's not in the house, you're not yeah. going to eat it. But people don't, and I'm included in this, that people don't treat other good habits the same way or other goals the same oh, way. Oh, yeah. Like, I have never prepared like a going to the gym bag, even when I would go to the gym in the morning, and it was miserable. So maybe if I had <laughs> set myself up for success instead of failure- yes. I'd be going to the gym. Absolutely. Yeah. So can that we, is beautiful. Can we turn tomorrow clothes into like a hashtag or something? Because I just hashtag love tomorrow it. clothes. That would be amazing. Yes. Hashtag tomorrow clothes. <laughs> and I will say, Henning, I, I'm like teasing, but I also totally, I don't necessarily lay things out, but I definitely have an idea of what I'm going to be wearing. And like, I have, I have a pretty strict routine That's as great. well. If there are days where I'm lazy and I don't stick to that, 
it's fucking chaos. <laughs> so, yeah, right? So, like, I really appreciate your discipline. Yeah, I, oh, so, like, full disclosure, this morning was one of my just, my rough days. I've really done my best to, like, completely, well, not completely, but, like, I really don't want to be plugged in to all the nonsense around the election. I think it's all just still bread and circuses yeah. as I treat the federal government anyway. So, but there, there has been a, like a weird sense of anxiety in the house and I'm of course contributing to that. So I did not sleep well on Wednesday night or on Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night, last night I woke up at like two or something and I was like, I'm going to need more sleep today. So I went, I caught up and this was the dumbest part. Like I got up and like actually changed my alarm on my alarm clock on the dresser <laughs> to an hour later. And I was like, I'll just skip the journals and all this today. I'm just going to wake up and shower and go to work. And it set me up for such a weird day at work. Like I felt like I was constantly oh. behind. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. that grounded, like centeredness. I usually walk out of the door with or even optimism. Like it made it worse by sleeping in i've I've been kicking myself all day for it because i knew it was a bad idea when i did it speaking of being a little unsettled because of the election and not sleeping well i've been sleeping okay but i did have a dream (laughs) i did have a dream that i don't know what this is gonna say about me but i had a dream that i ended up getting a gigantic tattoo on my leg (laughs) which if you have leg tattoos i don't mean to hurt your feelings but I hate leg tattoos. I, I just, I would never ever get one. I think they're like, they look awkward no matter where you yeah. put them. And it was in my dream. I got a giant tattoo across the top of my thigh. That was, <laughs> it was all flames. And in this set, which no. And then in the center, again, I don't know what this says about me. I don't even consume this news outlet, but a giant Fox news. <laughs> Whoa! Wow! It's just like, and I, it was one of those. It was one of those dreams where I woke up, and there was probably like one and a half seconds where I was coming out of it, and and like literally had the thought process of, "Oh, that was a dream." I oh, bet. Thank God. Okay, cool. I don't have to deal with this. I bet. I bet psychoanalysts would have a field day with that story, cat. Oh my oh, God! I know. But okay, real quick, real quick, like brief election chat again. I am kind of intrigued (laughs) and proud. I'm not sure I'm proud. That feels like the wrong word, but it's leaning into pride for like, seems like Fox News isn't doing what we expected them to in this situation. They're not total loyalists to Trump. He's pissed them off numerous times. Yeah, Yeah, for sure they're not. I've just always heard them vilified as like the polar opposite to CNN, but it seems like they're doing okay right now. And I'm like, good on you guys. Nice. I think as an organization, they're definitely not just sort of like shills for right. him, but they certainly do have a couple contributors right. that yeah. are. And so that's probably where that, that there it um, is. stereotype Thank comes Thank you from. for this. Okay. Yeah. Election chat over. News sources chat over. Done. <laughs> that's crazy, no. Kat. If you ever get that Weird tattoo. Weird stress dreams. Weird stress dreams. <laughs> Torna and I will not be happy with you. We don't have to it will never happen. Um, so like, I, I think this conversation is so much fun to me because what, what it feels like it reveals is the kind of person Henning wants to be or the kind of person Torna and Kat want to be. The, I guess the way I think about it is like when, you, when you're into personal development and as, as vilified as the whole book genre of self-help is, 
there have been legitimate books that have actually helped me design this kind of routine totally. for me. So my my basic philosophy here is use what you need to to help you pre-make decisions that your best self would thrive under. Like I'm I'm predetermining and like I know that I am best when I drink at least one gallon of water a day. So I'm going to put it in my to-doist to drink a gallon of water a day, right? Like, or just, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. The tomorrow clothes, another pre-made decision I've made, I made about two years ago was I only wear black t-shirts. I'm one of those. I'm very, <laughs> in, well, no, no, no. I'm very into this because of the whole minimalist thing. Oh, minimalism. So. Is that the soul? I mean, there's another way to be a minimalist. Like why black? Because it's, it's classic. Well, for men. Okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. Like a black V-neck I love. Yeah. See, and totally. I don't like a V-neck. I it's choose black because it makes me feel best about myself when I look in the mirror. Like it's it's the color that makes me feel good about what I'm wearing. Right on. Yeah. That's just one of the choices I made. I actually did try a couple different like solid colored t-shirts for a while. And I was like, black feels best. Even in the summer, I'll wear black and people are like, aren't you hot? It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't really notice it. No, and honestly, not. I wouldn't know the difference because I haven't worn a white T-shirt in years. No, that's that's amazing. And that's such a good uh, going back to, you know, setting things up that will make yourself be the best mm. you. The reason why I've been on a rampage for personal development and finding ways to improve my well-being is because there is, you know, I, there's a certain person that I want to be down the road. And the best way to do that is imitate people that have come before you and have achieved the things that you are working love towards, that right? yeah there's so much knowledge and information out there that you can discover by just mimicking the behaviors of people that you admire so to that end what are the kind of people that you're trying to model after or or even like what what materials are you into documentaries books or whatnot that are helping you make these decisions torna absolutely so the biggest one is that where this all kind of started was definitely Jordan Peterson's 12 rules. Oh for life. yeah. I will shout out Jordan Peterson every episode. If I have to incredible, his 12 rules for life was a great start to this quest or this journey. Honestly, the number one most difficult thing that I have attempted to overcome cats sitting in my room right now. Cause that's the podcast studio. <laughs> she might be able to attest. One of Jordan Peterson's main rules is like, Clean your room. If you can't keep your room clean, then you have you can't do anything. Make your bed every day, right? Was That's that one him of or a marine that said that? Uh, he's definitely repeated it. Yeah, it's there's a, good a one. reason why I'm sw- one of the reasons I'm switching over to my bed. <laughs> I have one blanket on my bed with sheets because it's easy to make mm-hmm. my bed. His, I will just say, long before we talked about having this conversation, when I first came over and witnessed the studio slash bedroom, <laughs> I saw Torna's bed, and I thought. If that isn't a perfect physical representation of the dedication Torna has to this oh, whole thing, yeah. I don't know what else is, you know, because it's I replaced my queen size size bed with a narrow. I love that. Bed. Yeah, that's so cool. Very narrow. No box frame. He's on the ground. <laughs> it is on the ground right now to my disgust. Oh, you don't like that? I hate it's it being on the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to build a frame. I've got lumber milled nice. out in the shop. Yeah. It needs to be put together. <laughs> I'm getting off topic here, but Kat's <laughs> going to see the evolution. So hopefully this weekend I'm going to put together the main frame of the bed 
and it'll probably come in here. So like next week, hopefully the bed will be sitting up like four inches on a frame. It's gonna be sunken in. It's not like that. It's gonna be a talked. day bed style. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna cool. do some. Yeah. And then, who knows how long it'll be until I have time to mill and make the legs, and then she'll come back one time, <laughs> and it'll be up on legs. It's gonna look like it's growing out of the floor. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but making you know cleaning your room, making your bed—that's one thing that I've been absolutely yeah. striving to do. Mm-hmm. And and really uh, another huge rule for this trajectory of of trying to get my life in order is I think rule six of Jordan Peterson's yes. book. Yes, set your life in and order it's, before it's you criticize very, the world. Yes, set your house oh. in perfect order before you criticize the oh. world. That's a good one. And I like to criticize the <laughs> world, and most people like to criticize the world, but most people don't have their house in order. Mm-hmm. And I'm really striving to do so. What's the biblical equivalent? Take the plank out of your eye before you notice or point out the speck in mine that's that's not verbatim but <laughs> you nailed it though that's that's exactly that. what it is <laughs> yeah that is exactly right and it's okay. the same it's the same principle right yeah you know there's a lot of angry people out there and and it makes me a bad person to look at them and say i know that your life is a mess and so the fact that you're critiquing this thing yeah you know i kind of roll my eyes but then i have to remember ah my life's kind of a mess. <laughs> so I've got to check myself on that one. Yeah. So nice. I'm, I'm working towards putting my house in perfect Anything order. Anything else you're consuming, like any other books you're reading or anything that are helping um, podcasts you listen to maybe? Books, right. Uh, podcast, uh, Wealth, Power, and Influence. That's a huge one. Um, that's more like a trajectory towards yep. business. I love the Naval podcast. I love Naval on Twitter. Follow Naval. Incredible. He's just the most brilliant man, immigrant to America, you know, really, really poor, grew up in India, came here, and now he's, you know, at least a hundred millionaire. And he's an amazing philosopher. He does angel investments, and he kind of is all about promoting ethical capitalism and trying to teach people to take personal responsibility mm. and to pursue wealth how to pursue wealth, and, and I really admire that. Because my ultimate goal is to, is to be someone like that. I want to be educated, I want to be involved in my communities, and I want to be wealthy. Love it. Kat, what goals. about you? What kind of things do you read or listen to that like, are in this vein? Um, well, we had talked about, before we recorded, we had talked about um, maybe presenting life hacks. Yeah. And that made me think of... Something that I've discovered recently, well, not recently, about two years ago now. God, no. Three years ago now. Wow. Time has flown. But also relates to something that I've, an author that I've followed who helped me sort of definitely help me grow and sort of discover this this thing that I would describe as a life hack. Um, and that is the idea of sitting with your fear. And that might sound sort of abstract, but it's actually something you can practice pretty readily. And I discovered it after sort of a a life-stirring breakup, which sounds silly in retrospect, but it was, you know, not horrifically traumatic, but it was definitely something that made me pause, which then sort of brought a greater awareness to childhood trauma and other things that I I just realized I hadn't fully addressed that I thought I had addressed. And I discovered uh, Pema Chodron. My mother actually introduced Mm. me to her. Um, She is an American woman, 
but became a Buddhist monk. And she has written a lot. She has one book in particular called The Places That Scare You. Mm. And my mom was very wise (laughs) when sort of this breakup happened. She recognized like there's other things that you're going to need to figure out. And so she handed me this book and man, it opened up my eyes to some really interesting just sort of ideas of how to get to know yourself better and overcome your fears and not sort of, I mean, I suppose you could apply it to like a fear of heights or something, but this is more like, this is more, you know, maybe like deep emotional stuff. And, and so sort of the tactic is when that anxiety presents itself or, you know, however that fear manifests you, instead of reaching for whatever your preferred sort of anecdote is that quells the fear and distracts you and makes you feel okay. Instead of doing that, you literally stop what you're doing. You sit and you meditate on that feeling and you feel it and you feel all of it and it's intense and it can be scary and it can be really, really uncomfortable. But the more you practice that, you disarm whatever it is that you're afraid of. And ultimately, if you if you're diligent about it, it's empowering. It's incredibly empowering. And and you learn a lot. You learn about a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what it is you're really afraid of, what the root of it is. And it's sort of I don't think Pema Chodron wouldn't use the word conquer because that's not sort of the goal. That's kind of like a very like Western way of looking at it, of like finding a solution and being done with it. And that's not quite the idea, but it's more that you sort of you accept it and you process it and it's no longer like a threat to your well-being. So it's more like you're learning to live with it. And so anyway, yeah, it's super powerful. And I think that that's something that seems so abstract at first. And the more I practiced it, I look back now, I actually randomly, I was moving things around on one of my bookshelves and found an old journal and was looking at it and was kind of laughing, looking through some of my Mm. entries from three, four years ago, because man, those things aren't Mm. issues anymore, (laughs) you know, and they aren't things that I feel like I need to work on anymore. And And I really attribute a lot of that growth to this idea of sitting with your fear. And I think another sort of an interesting part of that process is noticing where when you're sitting with the fear, noticing where that emotion manifests physically, because sort of in in Eastern medicine, there's this idea that different parts of your body, different organs hold emotion and so when you're when you're feeling scared, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling happy, you know, whatever it is, you if you really sit and focus on that feeling, you can there's gonna, there's like a physical response. And I think when you practice that, you can get a better sense of exactly what it is you're feeling and also maybe sometimes discover like a more tangible way to address the emotion. If you're feeling it in your shoulder or your neck or your knee or something, it kind of gives you like a, a, a a more tangible way to practice, like exercising, resolving Uh, that feeling or just processing it. Yeah. So it's just been anyway. So Pema Chodron, the places that scare you highly recommend, even if you're not in a tough transition, just any time in your life, I think it's a challenging book and um, offers a lot of really valuable. Insight. I love that. It sounds like it sounds like you get to be doing the work of like therapizing yourself in a way, like sitting with the emotion. Because ultimately, what sitting with fear does is that like your body is afraid of it for some reason, for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. It's not accidental that you're feeling fear around it. But the longer you let the fear stay with you, it's like 
you let the fear dwell with you for a while, you welcome it in and you sit with it and allow it to have its way for a while. But what it does is it teaches the body that you actually still come out of that experience. Like, okay, the thing you were afraid of still didn't kill you. Yeah. And, and again, like you also just learn to, um, it really does disarm it. You learn to understand, you learn, you learn about it more and the root of it more. And you also learn that like, it's actually not that scary, whatever it is, you know? And yeah, it's very empowering for sure. That's so important because in situations like where, or I guess in in situations such as, as a relationship, Mm -hmm. it can be such a detrimental thing to not, approach those emotions or explore your fears or anxieties mm-hmm. because that can result in a very very difficult experience in future relationships oh, yeah. yeah right every time you have a bad experience if you don't come to understanding or grasps with whatever the situation mm. is the next time you're in a relationship life you will can't keep... be as invested yeah, right? yeah it becomes it a, a, a reinforcing this... moment instead of instead of yeah right life keeps teaching you that lesson until you learn it <laughs> right oh yeah. then in any that's a very that's buddhist good. thought it's right true. there <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i mean and i mean i'm a christian and you know i think that there's it's sort of god has a hand in that sure. of course but but yeah you know life what however you define that will continue to teach you that lesson. Whatever that is, there's something for you to learn here. And if you're going to ignore it once, it's probably going to come back a second time with a vengeance. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) But any, any, any emotion or experience that you might be wrestling with, being able to digest it and understand it is going to result in protecting yourself from either, you know, anger or violence or abuse, Mm -hmm. whether physical or substance totally like people shift these emotions a lot of times into other channels Mm. of life yeah uh, exactly instead of tackling them so that's a very good life i was wondering Mm -hmm. so this is this is pivoting the conversation a little bit in our last few minutes here but i had a fantastic conversation with our all our mutual friend uh caleb lasloffy on my other podcast no normal people and there was something he said that has always it's just been like echoing around my head for so long. And it's something that helped me feel permission to dive into oddly to dive into my phone and my technology more, but essentially we said it as a joke, but it's, it's lingered with me for a while. And it was basically like your iPhone wants to do some thinking for you. So we might as well let it. And Hmm, so I was curious if you guys have apps on your phone that you visit on a semi-regular or daily basis that you would consider beneficial apps or organizational apps that you are really into? Oh, mine are going to be so boring. <laughs> That's fine. Fire. <laughs> AccuWeather. <Nice. laughs> Every morning. <laughs> I got to know, know if I need a what kind of jacket to wear. I, I like to know. That's so instilled in me from my dad. I mean, he messages all of me and all my siblings daily about what the weather predictions are for our various areas. Wow. <laughs> anyways, yeah. AccuWeather, he's cute. AccuWeather, Spotify. Oh, God, Instagram. <laughs> Those are the three I use the most. That's right. pathetic. But anyways. Well, so like Twitter is definitely on my list. I wouldn't consider it necessarily the most beneficial app, but 
I, d- I definitely do use it every day. And in oh, fact, I will even admit that on my Todoist list, like making sure I tweet once a day is something I've put on the list. I, I love Twitter so <laughs> <Okay>. much. <laughs> You've, Henning, you have successfully, I visit Twitter daily yes. now. <laughs> yes. I do. And From not now, just my work now, account, listen, my personal account. There's a healthy account. way to yes. do this. And it really depends on what you yeah. actually do most of your thinking about. So, Kat. As a person who considers politics their sport, political Twitter probably yes. is a good place for you to be as long as you continue to run this <laughs> practice of like sitting with fear, sitting with anger and letting it teach you something <laughs> yeah. because like rage tweeting is definitely a thing and it's yeah. bad. So like there are negative oh, effects God. of all yeah, this no. stuff. I haven't tweeted anything yet. There are like, so what? I, <laughs> sorry, I think Twitter is one of the best websites because it's like it's unofficially subdivided into like, uh, so you know how Reddit has subreddits. It's like Reddit is the front page. And then mm-hmm, there's sure. like, there's our politics or our whatever you want to say. Twitter is basically that, but it's, it's not official. Like, <laughs> like there's stand up comedian Twitter that you can just like, if you just follow all of them, you see so much interaction and like, I mean, it definitely, it might speak to like some of the dangers of our political discourse and just our global discourse right now, because you can choose what you're listening to or choose what you're paying attention to. All those caveats aside, if you do it well, Twitter is an amazing place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'll, I'll have made it if I get, um, if a tweet of mine gets censored. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a goal. There you go. It's an achievement for you, not... Uh. At this rate, it's pretty easy. This I guess fair. so, yeah. What about you, Torna? Like, good apps that you use? Uh, good apps that I use. I'm, I'm looking through my phone and uh, whew, not looking good. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of hate my phone, oh. but really, two apps that actually I use a lot and, and give me some sort of value is Venmo, which I think most people are on Venmo. Mm-hmm incredibly useful app do you use that for business uh i don't use it for business but we use it for all all bills things like that oh, okay. um and then another app that i have on my phone is i recommend anyone gets a pdf scanner yes. on their phone oh to be able to take a picture <laughs> of a document <laughs> and convert it to a pdf yeah. incredible that's the only i think that might actually be the only app on my phone that has some sort of like use and value. That, is, <laughs> that is very good. I like, so I, I use Evernote on a daily basis and they have a good companion app called Scannable that you can link directly to your Evernote so you can scan something and it immediately shows up in your Evernote inbox as a PDF. It's amazing. Well, so my list here, uh, I live in Pocket Casts most of the day. This is where I get all my podcasts. It's the best mm-hmm. Pocket like podcast app out there, hands down. Um, and then I use Todoist, Evernote, and Google Calendar, kind of all three kind of in tandem, depending on what I'm trying to track or measure time or whatever. Um, and then Spotify, every dollar is like is the Dave Ramsey uh, budgeting tool that my wife and I visit every day. And then once a week when we do like our, our 20 minute marriage meeting, we go over the budget and make sure we're on track. And then, like I said, Feedly for my uh, my blog reading in the morning. And then I use a, an app called Habit, and it's free on the iPhone. It's like it helps you build streaks in like some of the most important habits you want to develop. 
and it kind of shows you this 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 bubble kind of fills up the the bar that has the the habit label and you can see the color fill in as you go and it's like the rule is basically it won't reach 100% until you get like 91 a 91 day streak on your habit so definitely another way to gamify like this is what I want to do with my life this is what I'm trying to build to hmm. and then What's a habit you're trying to work towards right now, um, if I may ask? For me, mostly, it's really easy for me to ignore my my evening alarm to go journal, and sometimes I'll just completely miss my evening journal, and then it lengthens my morning because then I'm a, I'm a completist type person too, so I always have to fill in the last half of yesterday's page before I start the first half of today's page, mm. um, and I hate that. So evening journal is one of those, and then. Uh, Meditating at least 10 minutes is another one I'm working on, for which mm. I recommend the iPhone app Oak, O-A-K, like the tree. It is free. It was developed by Kevin Rose, who's like who's uh, a big entrepreneur investor type. He's really, really good friends with Tim Ferriss, and that hands down is my favorite free meditation app. Like there's no, there's no courses or... It's not like Headspace where you get through the first 10 and then you have to pay for it. Otherwise, you just loop through the first 10. It's a lot of unguided stuff, and I find it really helpful. And then on a daily basis on my phone and my my Mac and all that, I'm on Discord because um, I'm in the private Discord groups for a couple podcasts that I subscribe to through Patreon. So mm-hmm. it has re- completely replaced Facebook for me. I, I am not, I'm no longer a Facebook person. Facebook is obsolete. Yes, I agree. No, Discord's great. I'm on Discord a lot for all sorts of different groups. Well, that's beautiful. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, Henning, per usual, you've given me a lot of inspiration. No matter where you're at on a journey to becoming a better person, it can seem intimidating sometimes, but you just got to start somewhere, start with something small. Like I said, I, I started with just trying to clean my room. And it's kind of segued into a whole variety of goals and yeah. personal development. And that's something I would add before we close is on, on the journey, like it's really easy for me to talk about all these things and it, it might sound like I'm very perfect at this stuff. I'm most definitely not. But I think the, the key to all of this, like Torna said, start somewhere, but also I mean, Torna, you and I have had private conversations like over text about this as well. It's like, be gentle with yourself. Like, there's no reason for you to just shit on yourself for getting, like mixing up your habit or like missing a day in the streak or anything. Like, have grace enough for yourself to say, hey, you're doing your best. And like Kat taught us, like, thank your body for where it's been taking you thus far. And, and now we get to like, we, you can sit with it but definitely don't let that kind of that sense of shame win if you're not behaving the way you think your best self would be behaving. Yeah, grace is definitely key for sure. And I will say spontaneity is important too cuz I'm a very structured person with like a pretty it's not even something I'm sort of conscious of, but I have sort of the same routine every morning yeah. and every evening and a lot of downtime to myself because I, I say I'm like an extroverted introvert. I need a lot of time mm. to sort of reboot. And I think 
as I've grown older, I've learned the value of spontaneity and of just saying like, you know what, I'm not going to take, you know, my two hour evening of stretching and sort of meditating and breathing and doing the thing that I usually do every afternoon. I'm going to go get a drink with Torna, right, <laughs> you know, exactly. and like every now and then that's very, very important much. too. So I think that ba- balance is key. Well, I'm going to actually read off two rules from Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life. <laughs> okay. So that's three nice. in one episode. Oh boy. <laughs> but I think these are, these tie in and wrap us up perfectly because these are two, again, super important ones that, kind of gave me the permission to pursue this the first one is treat yourself like you are someone that you are responsible for helping you should help yourself and you are worthy of being helped and then a huge one to finish us off this evening is compare yourself with who you were yesterday not with who someone else is today cheers cheers to that cheers to that cheers cheers Thank you for joining us on The Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Mm-hmm.